Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Welcome to episode 38 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter. And here today with my co-host, Dr. Ray Painter. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about the physician's role and and, and just in, in the whole billing and coding and reporting of services process. Kind of what is the physician's role? And I know we've been talking about this for a, a long, long time and kind of developed our what, we, what Ray calls the Wheel of Fortune that really talks about all the different uh, parts of the role of the the complete billing process, but there are specifically four main parts of the physician's role. And first of all, do you want to start off, Ray, by telling us a little bit about your journey and how you how you came to, I guess, understand your role in that part of being a urologist? I yes, Scott. But first, I'd like to kind of set the stage. Uh, you know, as a urologist in practice, and and many of you who have been to our seminars or have been to your office, you've heard me say, I'm sure, that each urologist should practice at the top of their license. And we've all delegated, and I've in everything I've done, I've delegated everything I could. I learned early in my career that there's at least a few things you cannot delegate or shouldn't delegate. I went into practice, actually took over a practice from a urologist that was leaving a small town in western Colorado. And I was busy. This is back in the day before we had emergency room physicians. And every physician in the hospital had to rotate through the emergency room. So, yes, you can guess that every time anybody showed up while the radiologist or the pathologist or some of the surgeons were on call, that if a patient had any sign of a uh, urinary tract symptom, I got the call. Well, I was busy day and night. So I delegated everything, and I had uh, my assistant doing some abstracting. She was identifying the codes and all of that. And then I finally took the time about three months later to sit down and actually take a look at my, my, what I had done, what had been charged, and what I had been paid. I was fortunate enough at that time to have hired a consultant to put everything I did in a spreadsheet so I could see exactly what I was doing, even though it was back in 1970. Well, I found out at that point in time that I was not being paid for a lot of services I provided because my documentation did not trigger the uh, appropriate identification by my coder 
and my biller and things weren't being paid accurately. So from that time on, I knew I had to take the time to do it. And so over the past 30 years that I've been working with other urologists and while I ran my own practice, I did develop best practices. And we've been working on this ever since. And I think we have now the best practices that we need to provide to a urologist. And if you're a urologist, you need to take close, pay close attention to this. And if you're a coder or biller, you do too, because these are the things you need to convince your urologist that they cannot delegate and should do themselves. Now, can, can you give me an example in today's office of um, of a situation where a coder might or biller might miss something that happened from the phys- from the urologist? Just a common example oh, uh, by not not communicating correctly or thoroughly. Yes, we see this uh, time after time in. Uh, providing an E&M service on the same day as a procedure. So this uh, is, uh, you know, two, two times ago in our two uh, pod episodes ago, we talked about Modifier 25 pretty extensively. Is that the kind of uh, E&M service that they're missing a lot of? Yes. And if a urologist doesn't totally understand the rules, they may not document appropriately what they need to in order to get paid for all services provided. And so one, it takes an understanding. Now, we've often said urologists don't have to be certified coders. There's a lot in that that you can delegate. But as Scott mentioned, the four things, identification of services provided, documentation, and also documenting the circumstances. And what we mean by that, you need to be able to document why you did something, and in certain cases, why that is separate from the procedure you've charged. You need to make it clear that that is a significant and separately identifiable service if you're talking about an ENM service on the day of a procedure. And that message should be loud and clear when communicated to your billing department. So we've just talked about the four things, identifying, documenting, uh, realizing and documenting and communicating the circumstances are those are the four things. Identification, documentation, the circumstances, and co- appropriate communication. Those are things that not, cannot be delegated. However, you can delegate uh, helping make those four steps simple and time-saving. And I know uh, this has been a common discussion that we've had 
uh, with the E&M 2021 rules as well, but really the documentation and documenting your thought process and documenting the details, not only for the clinical side of things, but also for the reimbursement side of things that you need to make sure that you think on both sides of your brain, the clinical and the reimbursement when you're documenting, because with a few extra words and a few more clarifications, you can get that modifier 25 being able to be billed if you really document that you did discuss the disease process as opposed to the findings of a cysto. You know, that is a, we, we keep going back to that because that's one of the common examples that we use that you got to document the, the, in addition to the clinical, but also thinking, thinking about it with your reimbursement brain as well. Correct. When you document that, uh, discussion you had with the patient about the treatment of a, of the disease process, whether it be incontinence, BPH, or, or a bladder tumor, you have to make it clear in your documentation not only that that was separate from discussing the findings of the cysto, but you also have to make it clear that the discussion was significant. In other words, there was uh, enough, uh, there was a significant amount of time and effort put into that discussion because you want to enable your staff to use that 25 modifier when it should be, but you also want them to prevent them from using the 25 modifier when it was not justified, when you didn't meet the definition. And unfortunately, we see some billing departments that slap the 25 modifier on every E&M service provided with a, a procedure so they will get paid. And as you know, this is a trusting system. If that modifier is on there, you'll get paid. But when audited or if they're overusing it, there is a significant payback at times. So you'd mentioned earlier in the in in our discussion today that a, a urologist or a QHP does not need to be a certified coder, but they need to know what they need to know. And this has been a very common theme over the years that you've been teaching urologists and teaching coding. You got to know what you need to know. And and you know that kind of sounds cliche in a way. You know, of course we need to know what we need to know. But can you describe a little bit more in detail, like what is it that a procedure, a certified procedure coder knows that a urologist just doesn't need to know? Like what are those details? Well, Scott, to add to the cliche, you've also heard me say not only that a urologist needs to know what they need to know, but I also added and nothing more. So a certified coder uh, well, a urologist, let, let's look at the urologist and then leave everything else up to the certified coder. And uh, a urologist, well, let's take procedures. Uh, we've talked about the in-office, but let's head to the hospital or the ASC and let's uh, perform a procedure there. Well, there's many components to a procedure. 
And some of them are components of that procedure. And some of them are procedures that are not considered components and should be charged separately. And so when the urologist or the QPA uh, documents a service, they should make it clear that that service is a component or a part of the procedure or was performed uh, in order to facilitate that procedure or that it is separate and should be paid. So now the urologist needs to know what the components of a procedure are, and, and that's common sense for most of us. And, and if you think about it, you will know whether you needed to do that in order to complete the procedure or whether this was something that you don't have to do for most of those procedures. And then, that, in reality, that's what the urologist needs to understand and to document. And then the coder is the one that needs to identify exactly which modifier that should be used in order to pull that out of the global payment so you can be paid separately. And they need to be sure that uh, they are charging it uh, or reporting it so it will be paid according to that payer's rules. The urologist doesn't, he needs to know in general what, you know, the payers will do, but he doesn't have to be specific like the coder has to do. Now, we mentioned that several things you can delegate. Well, if you're doing a procedure at the hospital, most urologists do the same procedure over and over in the course of the year with some variations. So it's easy for the coders to identify the most frequent procedures a urologist perform and they can help the urologist be sure that they're picking the exact right code each time that procedure is performed. And, and all the little things that you might do in addition to that procedure can be identified as well. And this can be put into a short list. And when you finish performing that procedure to identify all services you provided, you can mark it on that list. And then you can set up some kind of communication with the coders where, yeah, this should be paid separately. No, this is a part of the procedure. So it's easy to set up the short list with the coders and the urologists and, and uh, the, the qualified providers as well are working together to be sure everything is accurate. And then when you do the procedure, it's easy to identify exactly what's done and communicate accurately to the staff. And this saves you time. Think of the questions you've had to ask in the past of whether this should be billed or whether that shouldn't be billed by the coding department. Or have you ever really taken a close look at what wasn't billed that should have been billed? Or maybe things that were being billed that shouldn't be billed. 
can you give a couple of examples? Uh, one being a couple of procedures where one is uh, used to facilitate the other procedure or you shouldn't bill. So just a common one. I mean, I can think of a really simple one is the, you know, the Cisto with the TURBT, you know, so you don't build a Cisto, obviously, because it's part of the the bladder tumor. Right. And uh, perhaps there is a uh, bladder tumor that's uh, right close to the ureteral or orifice. And you wind up uh, doing a, a retrograde to be sure there's not something in the ureter or you uh, want to be sure that the ureter is intact after you have resected the tumor. Well, that could be very easily a part of the TUR of the bladder tumor and not build separately. But if you needed to do a retrograde to be sure the, there's not a defect in the kidney, then that would be separate. So you need to be sure that when doing stones and this sort of thing, you, you identify what is a part of that stone and what isn't. That's another example. Uh, if I remove a stone in the lower part of a ureter, I should be paid separately for removing that stone. If at the same time I do a lithotripsy of a stone in the pelvis of the kidney. On the other hand, if I do a lithotripsy of the stone in the pelvis and then a fragment slips down and I remove that stone from the ureter, that should not be paid separately. So identifying whether it was a separate stone to start with or whether it's uh, all of those things, you need to be very careful and being sure that the coders know where you did something on the right or the left when you're doing with uh, a ureter and a kidney. So what's your advice to coders that are listening that want to make sure their urologists are communicating what they need to know. How do you, how would you approach your doctor? <laughs> well, I would convince him he should take uh, my or coding course <laughs> or her. They should take my coding course because we have a course that we designed strictly for urologists and QHP that they can go in and actually understand the concepts behind the use of each modifier and understand the global payment of what they should be paid for each procedure and what's extra and the appropriate documentation. And we go into detail about how you can make a short list because it's absolutely ridiculous to reinvent the wheel every time you do a surgery. You, you do the same thing over and over again. The coding should be the same. And why have to look it up? Or why have your staff spend the time? 
and convince the urologist that you can be using your time more wisely following up on on the, the things that weren't paid if you didn't have to do all of that work up front, uh, spending a lot more time identifying and trying to figure out whether you need the this modifier or that one, when the urologist could have marked it on a sheet of paper and you would have had that information and the correct code immediately. And so, so yeah, obviously we're talking about our co- your your course and kind of how you set this up and it's taken, you know, it's 30 years of knowledge put into this course that, uh, that, that we're, we're actually going to do a challenge here next month to really help the urologist gain that uh, knowledge so that they do know what they need to know. And uh, that's going to be a fun challenge, and we encourage everybody to join us on that, all urologists and QHPs, uh, urology QHPs, because uh, we're going to give you some challenging uh, things as well as just teach you the make sure you have all the uh, the holes filled in in your knowledge base. So it's, you know, I, I, I shared the story earlier how I, uh, you know, me personally, I had to go on my own journey of learning coding. You know, I knew I had a certain uh, level of knowledge based on, you know, being around the business for, you know, 20 years, 25 years, but, but I had to go through it and really spend the time to, to fill in the gaps in my knowledge, whereas I thought I knew a lot more about coding than I did. And so, uh, so we encourage you all to join us. That's going to be fun. Um, it's, uh, you can learn more about that on uh, prsnetwork.com forward slash uh, 038 for episode 38. Well, Scott, I have to correct one thing. You said this was the best practice that we had developed over the past 30 years. That's the 30 years that I've been working directly with urologists and urology yeah. practices Good point. to develop the best practices. But you forgot the 30 years that I was practicing developing my own best practice. <laughs> and yeah, there was an overlap of about 10 years. In there. <laughs> That's true. Very true. Yep. It, uh, it definitely had the the proof, uh, I guess, t- trial by fire, I guess, is how you put it, right? You, you learned it and you put it into your own practice, and then you've seen it be successful in others as well. All right. Anything else you want to add to this? I don't think so. We've, uh, you know, I've uh, retired from speaking uh Except at our seminar briefly, but I'm devoting these uh, twilight years into being sure that we do improve the reporting and the data in urology. Because, you know, I, I'm not sure it's even the 80 20 rule, but it's close that we're still making a lot of mistakes in coding, and we attribute most of those to the urologist not doing their job and delegating more than they should. So if we get back to the team effort that modern-day reporting of services and collecting for services provided, it takes a team effort. Uh, There's no way a urologist could uh, do as much as I did back when I first started my practice 
because the rules are a lot more complicated. And they're more complicated than I ever conceived they would be. So it takes the team to really make the perfect cake. Indeed. And and also, I will add, um, one of the other things that you are pursuing or working on now that uh, that we're really trying to get off the ground is moving this into a, a residence course as well, really teaching the residents and working with the residency programs out there to get a good level of a, a base, a good working knowledge of how to document your services correctly and be that team player. Um, that, and we're, we're really, you're, I know that's a passion of yours to try and get that in there so that, uh, the urologists come out of their residency and get ready for private practice or whatever practice they join with that knowledge already. Yes. And that's the reason we set up the, uh, the foundation, the PRS educational foundation, so that we can provide this training to urology residents and fellows free of charge. It's not that I've given up on the practicing urologist, but we have found it's awful difficult to convince a urologist that what they're doing is not the perfect way. We all yes. think we're doing things exactly. I was a great surgeon, and I know each of you are too. And we take good care of our patients. And we rely on our staff, and we have full faith in them. But I, I think you should know that there's a lot of errors being made by everybody else's staff and by all the urologists <laughs> that are not doing it themselves. It's kind of like that uh, statistic that, that I was sharing with you uh, the other day that 73% of all drivers think they're above average, yet 93% of them say they do unsafe things. You know, so you may, you may as a, a urologist, know that you may not be coding something bad, but you may think you're uh, above average in coding. So, I mean, it's it's kind of the way we do driving, too. So interesting to think about so think about it join us improve your job as you're part of the team and let's get the urology reporting and the data accurate we definitely want to help you maximize your income and your efficiencies so we we want to help you that's that's what we're here for last word to you Happy coding. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there's time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music under his record label, The Juicery, with extra pulp and special guests.